Section forty three of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part forty three. Of the filth, dishonesty, and immorality of low lodging houses. In my former and my present inquiries, I received many statements on this subject. Some details given by coarse men and boys in the grossest language are too gross to be more than alluded to but the full truth must be manifested if not detailed it was remarked when my prior account appeared that the records of gross profligacy on the part of some of the most licentious of the rich such as the late marquis of hertford and other worthies of the same depraved habits were equalled or nearly equalled by the account of the orgies of the lowest lodging-houses sin in any rank of life shows the same features and first as to the want of cleanliness comfort and decency why sir said one man who had filled a commercial situation of no little importance but had through intemperance been reduced to utter want i myself have slept in the top room of a house not far from drury lane and you could study the stars if you were so minded through the holes left by the slates having been blown off the roof it was a fine summer's night and the openings in the roof were then rather an advantage for they admitted air and the room wasn't so foul as it might have been without them i never went there again but you may judge what thoughts went through a man's mind a man who had seen prosperous days as he lay in a place like that without being able to sleep watching the sky the same man told me and i received abundant corroboration of his statement besides that incidental mention of the subject occurs elsewhere that he had scraped together a handful of bugs from the bedclothes and crushed them under a candlestick and had done that many a time when he could only resort to the lowest places he had slept in rooms so crammed with sleepers he believed there were thirty where twelve would have been a proper number that their breaths in the dead of night and in the unventilated chamber rose i use his own words in one foul choking steam of stench this was the case most frequently a day or two prior to greenwich fair or epsom races when the congregation of the wandering classes who are the supporters of the low lodging-houses was the thickest it was not only that two or even three persons jammed themselves into a bed not too large for one full-sized man but between the beds and their partition one from another admitted little more than the passage of a lodger were placed shakes down or temporary accommodation for nightly slumber in the better lodging-houses the shakedowns are small palliasses or mattresses in the worst they are bundles of rags of any kind but loose straw is used only in the country for shakedowns one informant saw a traveller who had arrived late eye his shakedown in one of the worst houses with anything but a pleased expression of countenance and a surly deputy observing this told the customer he had his choice which the deputy added it's not all men as has or i shouldn't have been waiting here on you but you has your choice i tell you sleep there on that shakedown or turn out and be deep blank that's fair at some of the busiest periods numbers sleep on the kitchen floor all huddled together men and women when indecencies are common enough and without bedding or anything but their scanty clothes to soften the hardness of the stone or brick floor a penny is saved to the lodger by this means more than two hundred have been accommodated in this way in a large house 
the irish at harvest time very often resort to this mode of passing the night i heard from several parties of the surprise and even fear or horror with which a decent mechanic more especially if he were accompanied by his wife regarded one of these foul dens when destitution had driven him there for the first time in his life sometimes such a man was seen to leave the place abruptly though perhaps he had prepaid his last half-penny for the refreshment of a night's repose sometimes he was seized with sickness i heard also from some educated persons who had seen better days of the disgust with themselves and with the world which they felt on first entering such places and i have some reason to believe said one man that a person once well off who has sunk into the very depths of poverty often makes his first appearance in one of the worst of those places perhaps it is because he keeps away from them as long as he can and then in a sort of desperation fit goes into the cheapest he meets with or if he knows it's a vile place he very likely says to himself i did i may as well know the worst at once another man who had moved in good society said when asked about his resorting to a low lodging-house when a man's lost caste in society he may as well go the whole hog bristles and all and a low lodging-house is the entire pig notwithstanding many abominations i am assured that the lodgers in even the worst of these habitations for the most part sleep soundly but they have in all probability been out in the open air the whole of the day and all of them may go to their couches after having walked perhaps many miles exceedingly fatigued and some of them half drunk why in course sir said a traveller whom i spoke to on this subject if you is in a country town or village where there's only one lodging-house perhaps and that a bad one an old hand can always suit yourself in london you must get half drunk or your money for your bed is wasted there's so much rest owing to you after a hard day and bugs and bad air'll prevent its being paid if you don't lay in some stock of beer or liquor of some sort to sleep on it's a duty you owes yourself but if you haven't got the browns why then in course you can't pay it i have before remarked and indeed have given instances of the odd and sometimes original manner in which an intelligent patterer for example will express himself the information i obtained in the course of this inquiry into the condition of low lodging-houses afforded a most ample corroboration of the truth of a remark i have more than once found it necessary to make before that persons of the vagrant class will sacrifice almost anything for warmth not to say heat otherwise to sleep or even sit in some of the apartments of these establishments would be intolerable from the frequent state of weariness to which i have alluded there is generally less conversation among the frequenters of the low lodging-houses than might be expected some are busy cooking some in the better houses are reading many are drowsy and nodding and many are smoking in perhaps a dozen places of the worst and filthiest class indeed smoking is permitted even in the sleeping-rooms but it is far less common than it was even half a dozen years back and becomes still less common yearly notwithstanding so dangerous a practice fires are and have been very unfrequent in these places there is always someone awake which is one reason the lack of conversation i ought to add and the weariness and drowsiness are less observable in the lodging-houses patronized by thieves and women of abandoned character whose lives are comparatively idle and whose labor a mere nothing in their houses if the conversation be at all general 
it is often of the most unclean character at other times it is carried on in groups with abundance of whispers shrugs and slang by the members of the respective schools of thieves or lurkers i have now to speak of the habitual violation of all the injunctions of law of all the obligations of morality and of all the restraints of decency seen continually in the vilest of the lodging-houses i need but cite a few facts for to detail minutely might be to disgust in some of these lodging-houses the proprietor or i am told it might be more correct to say the proprietress as there are more women than men engaged in the nefarious traffic carried on in these houses are fences or receivers of stolen goods in a small way their fencing unless as the very exception does not extend to any plate or jewellery or articles of value but is chiefly confined to provisions and most of all to those which are of ready sale to the lodgers of very ready sale are fish got from the gate note stolen from billingsgate end note sawney note thieved bacon end note and flesh found in leadenhall note butcher's meat stolen from that market end note i was told by one of the most respectable tradesmen in leadenhall market that it was infested but not now to so great an extent as it was with lads and young men known there as finders they carry bags round their necks and pick up bones or offal or pieces of string or bits of papers or anything sir please that a poor lad that has neither father nor mother and is very hungry can make a halfpenny by to get him a bit of bread please sir this is often but a cover for stealing pieces of meat and the finders with their proximate market for disposal of their meat in the lowest lodging-houses in whitechapel go boldly about their work for the butchers if the finder be detected won't i was told by a sharp youth who then was at a low lodging-house in keat street go bothering themselves to a beak but gives you a scruff of the neck and a kick and lets you go but some of them kicks very hard the tone and manner of this boy and it is a common case enough with the prigs showed that he regarded hard kicking merely as one of the inconveniences to which his business pursuits were unavoidably subjected just as a struggling housekeeper might complain of the unwelcome calls of the tax-gatherers these depredations are more frequent in leadenhall market than in any of the others on account of its vicinity to whitechapel even the whitechapel meat market is less the scene of prey for it is a series of shops while leadenhall presents many stalls and the finders seem loath to enter shops without some plausible pretext groceries tea especially stolen from the docks warehouses or shops are things in excellent demand among the customers of a lodging-house fence tea known or believed to have been stolen genuine from any dock is bought and sold very readily one shilling and sixpence however is a not unfrequent price for what is known as five shillings tea sugar spices and other descriptions of stolen grocery are in much smaller request wearing apparel is rarely bought by the fences i am treating of but the stealers of it can and do offer their wares to the lodgers who will often before buying depreciate the garment and say it's never been nothing better nor a moses hens and chickens are a favourite theft and go at once to the pot but in no culinary sense 
the hens and chickens of the roguish low lodging-houses are the publicans pewter measures the bigger vessels are hens the smaller are chickens facilities are provided for the melting of these stolen vessels and the metal is sold by the thief very rarely if ever by the lodging-house keeper who prefers dealing with the known customers of the establishment to marine store buyers a man who at one time was a frequenter of a thieves lodging-house related to me a conversation which he chanced to overhear he himself being then in what his class would consider a much superior line of business between a sharp lad apparently of twelve or thirteen years of age and a lodging-house female fence but it occurred some three or four years back the lad had found a piece of christmas beef which he offered for sale to his landlady averring that it weighed six pounds the fence said and swore that it wouldn't weigh three pounds but she would give him fivepence for it it probably weighed above four pounds fivepence exclaimed the lad indignantly you haven't no fairness Five, it's six pound and christmas time fivepence a tanner and a flag note a sixpence and a fourpenny piece end note is the wery lowest terms there was then a rapid and interrupted colloquy in which the most frequent words were go to blazes with retorts of you go to blazes and after strong and oathful imputations of dishonest endeavours on the part of each contracting party to overreach the other the meat was sold to the woman for sixpence some of the fences board lodge and clothe two or three boys or girls and send them out regularly to thieve the fence usually taking all the proceeds and if it be the young thief has been successful he is rewarded with a trifle of pocket money and is allowed plenty of beer and tobacco one man who keeps three low lodging-houses one of which is a beer-shop not long ago received from a lodger a valuable greatcoat which the man said he had taken from a gig the fence who was in a larger way of business than others of his class and is reputed rich gave ten shillings for the garment asking at the same time who was minding the gig a charity kid was the answer give him a deuce note tuppence end note and stall him off note send him an errand end note said the fence and bring the horse and gig and i'll buy it it was done and the property was traced in two hours but only as regards the gig which had already a new pair of wheels attached to it and was so metamorphosed that the owner a medical gentleman though he had no moral doubt on the subject could not swear to his own vehicle the thief received only four pounds for gig and horse the horse was never traced the licentiousness of the frequenters and more especially of the juvenile frequenters of the low lodging-house must be even more briefly alluded to in some of these establishments men and women boys and girls but perhaps in no case or in very rare cases unless they are themselves consenting parties herd together promiscuously the information which i have given from a reverend informant indicates the nature of the proceedings when the sexes are herded indiscriminately and it is impossible to present to the reader in full particularity the records of the vice practised boys have boastfully carried on loud conversations and from distant parts of the room of their triumphs over the virtue of girls and girls have laughed at and encouraged the recital three four five six and even more boys and girls have been packed head and feet into one small bed 
some of them perhaps never met before on such occasions any clothing seems often enough to be regarded as merely an encumbrance sometimes there are loud quarrels and revilings from the jealousy of boys and girls and more especially of girls whose chaps have deserted or been inveigled from them at others there is an amicable interchange of partners and next day a resumption of their former companionship one girl then fifteen or sixteen who had been leading this vicious kind of life for nearly three years and had been repeatedly in prison and twice in hospitals and who expressed a strong desire to get out of the life by emigration said whatever that's bad and wicked that any one can fancy could be done in such places among boys and girls that's never been taught or won't be taught better is done and night after night in these haunts of low iniquity or rather in the room into which the children are put there are seldom persons above twenty the younger lodgers in such places live by thieving and pocket-picking or by prostitution the charge for a night's lodging is generally twopence but smaller children have often been admitted for one penny if a boy or girl resort to one of these dens at night without the means of defraying the charge for accommodation the mot of the ken mistress of the house will pack them off telling them plainly that it will be no use their returning until they have stolen something worth twopence if a boy or girl do not return in the evening and have not been heard to express their intention of going elsewhere the first conclusion arrived at by their mates is that they have got into trouble prison the indiscriminate admixture of the sexes among adults in many of these places is another evil even in some houses considered of the better sort men and women husbands and wives old and young strangers and acquaintances sleep in the same apartment and if they choose in the same bed any remonstrance at some act of gross depravity or impropriety on the part of a woman not so utterly hardened as the others is met with abuse and derision one man who described these scenes to me and had long witnessed them said that almost the only women who ever hid their faces or manifested dislike of the proceedings they could not but notice as far as he saw were poor irish women generally those who lived by begging but for all that the man added an irishman or irish woman of that sort will sleep anywhere in any mess to save a halfpenny though they may have often a few shillings or a good many hidden about them there is no provision for purposes of decency in some of the places i have been describing into which the sexes are herded indiscriminately but to this matter i can only allude a policeman whose duty sometimes called him to enter one of those houses at night told me that he never entered it without feeling sick there are now fewer of such filthy receptacles than there were some have been pulled down especially for the building of commercial street in whitechapel and of new oxford street and some have fallen into fresh and improved management of those of the worst class however there may now be at least thirty in london while the low lodgings of all descriptions good or bad are more frequented than they were a few years back a few new lodging-houses perhaps half a dozen have been recently opened in expectation of a great influx of travellers and vagrants at the opening of the great exhibition of the children in low lodging-houses the informant whose account of patterers and of vagrant life in its other manifestations i have already given has written from personal knowledge and observation the following account of the children in low lodging-houses 
of the mass of the indigent and outcast he says of whom the busy world know nothing except from an occasional paragraph in the newspaper the rising generation though most important is perhaps least considered every londoner must have seen numbers of ragged sickly and ill-fed children squatting at the entrances of miserable courts streets and alleys engaged in no occupation that is either creditable to themselves or useful to the community these are in many cases those whose sole homes are in the low lodging-houses and i will now exhibit a few features of the juvenile performers among the london poor in many cases these poor children have lost one of their parents in some they are without either father or mother but even when both parents are alive the case is little mended for if the parents be of the vagrant or dishonest class their children are often neglected and left to provide for the cost of their food and lodging as they best may the following extract from the chaplain's report of one of our provincial jails gives a melancholy insight into the training of many of the families it is not i know without exception but much as we could wish it to be otherwise it is so general an occurrence varied into its different forms that it may be safely accounted as the rule of action j g was born of poor parents at five years old his father succeeded to a legacy of five hundred pounds he was quiet indolent fond of drink a good scholar and had twelve children he never sent any of them to school telling lies said the child i learned from my mother she did things unknown to father and gave me a penny not to tell him the father on leaving home left by request of the mother some money to pay a man she slipped upstairs and told the children to say she was out from ten to twelve years of age i used to go to the alehouse i stole the money from my father and got very drunk my father never punished me for all this as he ought to have done in course of time i was apprenticed to a tanner he ordered me to chapel instead of which i used to play in the fields when out of my time i got married and still carried on the same way starving my wife and children i used to take my little boy when only five years old to the public house and make him drunk with whatever i drank myself a younger one could act well a drunken man on the floor my wife was a sober steady woman but through coming to fetch me home she learned to drink too one of our children used to say ma'am you're drunk like daddy it may be argued that this awful family portrait is not the average character but i have witnessed too many similar scenes to doubt the general application of the sad rule of those children of the poor as has been before observed the most have either no parents or have been deserted by them and have no regular means of living nor moral superintendence on the part of relatives or neighbours consequently they grow up in habits of idleness ignorance vagrancy or crime in some cases they are countenanced and employed here and there may be seen a little urchin holding a few onions in a saucer or a diminutive sickly girl standing with a few laces or a box or two of lucifers but even these go with the persons who have set them up daily to the public house and to the lodging-house at night and after they have satisfied the cravings of hunger frequently expend their remaining halfpence, if any in gingerbread and as frequently in gin i have overheard a proposal for half a quarter and a two out glass between a couple of shoeless boys under nine years old 
one little fellow of eleven on being remonstrated with said that it was the only pleasure in life that he had and he weren't a-going to give that up both sexes of this juvenile class frequent when they can raise the means the very cheap and flash places of amusement where the precocious delinquent acquires the most abandoned tastes and are often allured by elder accomplices to commit petty frauds and thefts efforts have been made to redeem these young recruits in crime from their sad career with its inevitable results in some cases i rejoice to believe that success has crowned the endeavour there is that however in the cunning hardihood of the majority of these immature delinquents which presents almost insuperable barriers to benevolence and of this i will adduce an instance a gentleman living at islington who attends one of the city churches is in the habit of crossing the piece of waste ground close to saffron hill here he often saw close to the ragged school a herd of boys and as nearly as he could judge always the same boys one of them always bowed to him as he passed he thought and thought right that they were gambling and after on one occasion talking to them very seriously he gave each of them tuppence and pursued his way however he found himself followed by the boy before alluded to accompanied by a younger lad who turned out to be his brother both in one breath begged to know if his honour could please to give them any sort of a job the gentleman gave them his card inquired their place of residence a low lodging-house and the next morning at nine o'clock both youths were at his door he gave them a substantial breakfast and then took them into an outhouse where was a truss of straw and having himself taken off the band he desired them to convey the whole one straw at a time across the garden and to deposit it in another outhouse the work was easy and the terms liberal as each boy was to get dinner and tea and one shilling per day as long as his services should be required their employer had to go to town and left orders with one of his domestics to see that the youths wanted nothing and to watch their proceedings their occupation was certainly not laborious but then it was work and although that was the first of their requests it was also the last of their wishes taking advantage of an adjoining closet the servant perceived that the weight even of a straw had been too much for these hopeful boys they were both seated on the truss and glibly recounting some exploits of their own and how they had been imposed upon by others the eldest about fourteen was vowing vengeance upon tailor tom for attempting to walk the barber seduce his gal while the younger who had scarcely seen eleven summers averred that it was very good of the swell to give them summat to eat but precious bad to be shut up in that crib all day without a bit of backer before the return of their patron they had transported all the straw to its appointed designation as it was very discernible however that this had been effected by a wholesale process the boys were admonished paid and dismissed they are now performing more ponderous work in one of the penal settlements whether the test adopted by the gentleman in question was the best that might have been resorted to i need not now inquire it would be grateful to my feelings if in these disclosures i could omit the misdemeanours of the other sex of juveniles but i am obliged to own on the evidence of personal observation that there are girls of ages varying from eleven to fifteen who pass the day with a fakement before them pity a poor orphan 
and as soon as evening sets in loiter at shop windows and ogle gentlemen in public walks making requests which might be expected only from long-hardened prostitution their nights are generally passed in a low lodging-house they frequently introduce themselves with please sir can you tell me what time it is if they get a kindly answer some other casual observations prepare the way for hints which are as unmistakable as they are unprincipled of the low lodging-houses throughout the country further to elucidate this subject full of importance as i have shown i give an account of low lodging-houses or padding kens at the stages so to speak observed by a patra travelling from london to birmingham i give the several towns which are the usual sleeping-places of the travellers with the character and extent of the accommodation provided for them and with a mention of such incidental matters as seemed to me in the account i received to be curious or characteristic circuitous as is the route it is the one generally followed time is not an object with the travelling patra if i could do better in the way of tin said one of the fraternity to me in a country village than in london why i'd stick to the village if the better tin lasted for six months ay sir for six years what's places to a man like me between grub and no grub it is probable that on a trial such a man would soon be weary of the monotony of a village life but into that question i need not now enter i give each stage without the repetition of stating that from here to there is so many miles and the charge for a lodging is at such and such a rate the distance most frequently travelled in a day varies from ten to twenty miles according to the proximity of the towns and the character and capabilities for the patterer's purposes of the locality the average charge for a lodging in the better sort of country lodging-houses is fourpence a night at others threepence in a slack time a traveller for fourpence has a bed to himself in a busy time as at fairs or races he will account himself fortunate if he obtain any share of a bed for fourpence at some of the places characterized by my informant as rackety queer or life in london the charge is as often threepence as fourpence the first stage then most commonly attained on tramp is romford it's a good circuit sir said my principal informant and if you want to see life between from london to birmingham why you can stretch it and see it for two hundred miles the romford house of call most frequented by the class of whom i treat is the king's arms a public house there is a back kitchen for the use of travellers who pay something extra if they choose to resort and are decent enough to be admitted into the tap-room very respectable sir said an informant and a proper division of married and single of men and women of course they don't ask any couple to show their marriage lines no more than they do any lord and lady or one that ain't a lady if she's with a lord at any fashionable hotel at brighton i've done tidy well on slums about ladies in a brighton hotel just by the stain very tidy in this house they make up forty beds some of them with curtains chelmsford the three queens a beer shop a rackety place sir said the man one of the showfuls a dicky one a free and easy you can get a pint of beer and a punch of the head all for tuppence as for sleeping on a saturday night there oh no we never mention it it mayn't be so bad indeed it ain't as some london lodging-houses because there ain't the chance and there's more known about it fourteen beds braintree the castle a beer shop takes in all sorts and all sizes all colours and all nations similar to what's expected of the crystal palace 
I was a muck snipe when I was there. Why, a muck snipe, sir, is a man regularly done up, coopered, and humped together. And it was a busyish time. And when the deputy paired off the single men, I didn't much like my bedmate. He was a shabby genteel, buttoned up to the chin, and in the tract line. I thought of old Scratch when I looked at him, though he weren't a Scotchman, I think. I tipped the wink to an acquaintance there, and told him I thought my old complaint was coming on. That was to kick and bite like a horse in my sleep, because my mother was terrified by a wicious horse not very long afore I was born. So I dozed on the bedside and began to whinny, and my bedmate jumped up frightened and slept on the floor. Twenty-two beds. Thaxton. A poor place, but I stay two days, it's so comfortable and so country, at the Rose and Crown. It's a sort of rest. It's decent and comfortable, too, and it's about sixpence a night to me for singing and patter in the tap-room. That's my cocum. Advantage. Ten beds. Saffron Walden. The castle. Better now. Was very queer. Slovenly as could be, and you had to pay for fire. Though it was a house of call for couriers and other tradesmen, but they never mix with us. The landlord don't care much who's admitted, or how they go on. Twenty-four beds. Cambridge. The grand town of all. London in miniature. It would be better but for the police. I don't mean the college bulldogs. They don't interfere with us, only with women. The last time I was at Cambridge, sir, I hung the Mannings. It was the day, or two days, I'm not sure which, after their trial. We pattered at night, too late for the collegians to come out. We worked about where we knew they lodged. I had a mate with me, and some of the windows of their rooms in the colleges themselves looks into the street. We pattered about later news of Mr. and Mrs. Manning. Up went the windows, and cords was let down to tie the papers to, but we always had the money first. We weren't a-going to trust such out-and-out-going young coves as them. One young gent said, I'm a sucking parson. Won't you trust me? No, says I. We'll not trust Father Peter. So he threw down sixpence and let down his cord, and he says, send six up. We saw it was Victoria's head all right, so we sends up three. Where's the others? says he. Oh, says I. They're a penny apiece and a penny apiece extra for hanging Mr. and Mrs. Manning, as we have, to a cord, so it's all right. Some laughed, and some said, D-blank-in, you. Wait till I see you in the town. But they hadn't that pleasure. Yorkshire Betty's is the headquarters at Cambridge, or in Barnwell, of course. There's no such places in Cambridge. It's known as W-blank and Muck Fort. It's the real college touch, the seat of learning if you're seeing life. The college lads used to look in there, oftener than they do now. They're getting shyer. Men won't put up with black eyes for nothing. Old Yorkshire Betty's a motherly body, but she's no ways particular in her management. Higgledy-piggledy, men and women, altogether. Thirty beds. Newmarket. The Woolpack. A lively place, middling other ways. There's generally money to be had at Newmarket. I don't stay there so long as some, for I don't care about racing. And the poorest snob there's a sporting character. Six beds. Bury St. Edmunds. Old Jack somethings. He was a publican for forty years, but he broke, and I heard him say that if he hadn't been a player on the fiddle, he should have destroyed himself. But his fiddle diverted him in his troubles. He has a real Cremona, and can't he play it? He's played at dances at the Duke of Norfolk's. I've heard him give the tune he played on his wedding night, years and years back before I was born. He's a noble-looking fellow, the facsimile of Louis Philippe. It's a clean and comfortable, hard and honest place. Twelve beds. Mildenhall. A private house. I forget the landlord's name. 
the magistrates is queer there and so very little work can be done in my way i've been there when i was the only lodger seven beds ely the tom and jerry very queer no back kitchen or convenience a regular rough place often quarrelling there all night long any caper allowed among men and women the landlord's easy frightened five beds st ives plume of feathers passable eleven beds st neots bell and dicky and very dicky too queer doings in the doss sleeping and everything it's an out-of-the-way place or the townspeople might see to it but they won't take any notice unless some traveller complains and they won't complain they're a body of men sir that don't like to run gaping to a beak the landlord seems to care for nothing but money he takes in all that offer three in a bed often men women and children mixed together it's anything but a tidy place thirteen beds bedford the cock life in london sir i can't describe it better life in keats street whitechapel fifteen beds urchester i don't mind the name a most particular place you must go to bed by nine or be locked out it's hard and honest clean and rough six beds wellingborough a private house smith or jones i know or some common name ducker the soldier that was shot in the park by annette myers lived there i worked him there myself and everybody bought i did the gun trick sir had great success it's an inferior lodging place they're in no ways particular not they who they admit or how they doss at a fair time the goings-on is anything but fair ten beds northampton mrs bulls comfortable and decent she takes in the dispatch to oblige her travellers it's a nice quiet sunday house twelve beds market harborough there's a good lady there gives away tracts and half a crown a private house is the traveller's house and some new name middling accommodation nine beds lutterworth a private house and i'll go there no more very queer not the least comfort or decency they're above their business i think and take in too many and care nothing what the travellers do higgledy-piggledy together ten beds leicester the rookery rosemary lane all over again sir especially at black jack's he shakes up the beds with a pitchfork and brings in straw if there's more than can possibly be crammed into the beds he's a fighting man and if you say a word he wants to fight you twelve beds hinkley the tea-board comfortable eight beds nuneaton the same style as hinkley a private house eight beds coventry deserves to be sent further bill cooper's a dilapidated place and no sleep for there's armies of bugs great black fellows i call it the sikh war there and they're called sikhs there or sikhs there is the vermin but i'm sick of all such places they're not particular there certainly not twenty beds birmingham mrs leach's comfortable and decent and a good creature i know there's plenty of houses in birmingham bad enough london reduced sir but i can't tell you about them from my own observation because i always go to mrs leach's thirty beds here then in the route most frequented by the pedestrian travellers we find taking merely the accommodation of one house in each place and in some of the smaller towns there is but one a supply of beds which may nightly accommodate on an average four hundred and eighty-nine inmates reckoning at the rate of twelve sleepers to every eight beds at busy times double the number will be admitted and to these places resort the beggar the robber and the pickpocket 
the street patterer and the street trader the musician the ballad singer and the street performer the diseased the blind the lame and the half idiot the outcast girl and the hardened prostitute young and old and of all complexions and all countries nor does the enumeration end here to these places must often resort the wearied mechanic travelling in search of employment and even the broken-down gentleman or scholar whose means do not exceed fourpence a curious history might be written of the frequenters of low lodging-houses dr johnson relates that when dean swift was a young man he paid a yearly visit from sir william temple's seat moor park to his mother at leicester he travelled on foot unless some violence of weather drove him into a wagon and at night he would go to a penny lodging where he purchased clean sheets for sixpence this practice lord orrery imputes to his swift's innate love of grossness and vulgarity some may ascribe it to his desire of surveying human life through all its varieties perhaps it might not be very difficult to trace in swift's works the influence upon his mind of his lodging-house experience the same author shows that his friend richard savage in the bitterness of his poverty was also a lodger in these squalid dens he passed the night sometimes in mean houses which are set open at night to any casual wanderer sometimes in cellars among the riot and filth of the meanest and most profligate of the rabble a richard savage of to-day might under similar circumstances have the same thing said of him except that cellars might now be described as ground floors the great and sometimes the only luxury of the frequenters of these country lodging-houses is tobacco a man or woman who cannot smoke i was told or was not hardened to tobacco smoke in a low lodging-house was half killed with coughing sometimes a couple of men may be seen through the thick vapour of the tobacco smoke peering eagerly over soiled cards as they play at all fours sometimes there is an utter dullness and drowsiness in the common sitting-room and hardly a word exchanged for many minutes i was told by one man of experience in these domiciles that he had not very unfrequently heard two men who were conversing together in a low tone and probably agreeing upon some nefarious course stop suddenly when there was a pause in the general conversation and look uneasily about them as if apprehensive and jealous that they had been listened to a stranger in the lodging-house is regarded with a minute and often a rude scrutiny and often enough would not be admitted were not the lodging-house keeper the party concerned and he of course admits all what pays one patterer told me of two inscriptions as he called them which he had noticed in country lodgings he had lately visited the first was he who smokes thinks like a philosopher and feels like a philanthropist bulwer's night and morning the second was an intimation from the proprietor of the house which in spite of its halting explanation is easily understood no sickness allowed unless by order of the mayor readers note m a r e End reader's note. End of section 43.